Brick Moon Fiction presents Fairy Tales and Selkie Tales, written and narrated by Alicia Hilton. My elven fairy ancestors had evolved, losing their wings, along with most of their magic. But three layers of stockings would not staunch the shimmery violet light that gleamed from my toenails, a trait that supposedly only afflicted Germanic fairies. My ancestry was Moroccan, with a splash of Germanic heritage from my mother's great-great-great-grandfather, a berserker, member of a Viking clan famed for fighting with trance-like fury. Curse or blessing, no matter what you called it, the outcome was the same. When I began menstruating, flesh grew between my toes, and the nails would glow. The membrane wasn't as thick as a seal's flippers or a mermaid's tail, but it marked me as fey, which was a major problem since fairies were worth more dead than alive. I stripped off the fourth pair of stockings, a soft liner to protect my soles from itchy wool, and dropped them on top of the pile of clothing that I'd left on a boulder. The chill breeze made goosebumps rise on my skin, and the hair on the back of my neck also stood up. No girl should be wandering the woods in the middle of the night especially if she was naked, but the goddess of the lake wouldn't speak to supplicants unless they bared their flesh and their souls. Hearing tree branches clacking together, I jerked around. Amber eyes stared at me, but it was just a long-eared owl roosting in a pine tree. Moonlight shone in the lake, drawing me towards the water. I took a step, then another. What would it feel like to drown? I considered turning back, but my resolve remained as hard as the pebbles that I walked across. The water was as cold as ice. I waded deeper until I was submerged to my chest, my feet buried in silt, but I could still see light beaming from my toes, though now it was tinted green from algae. I said, Goddess? Wind answered my call. I gazed across the lake, peering at the shoreline. A bird took flight, soaring past a cluster of evergreens. The wingspan was too broad to be an owl. A heron? I said, Lady Oracle, are you there? Should I start swimming? How long do I need to hold my breath? Until you are dead, the Oracle replied. Throw yourself upon the rocks if you're impatient. Her laughter made ripples cascade across the water. She said, Did you bring me a tribute, Nala? The oracle's voice sounded like it was coming from inside my head. I looked around, but there was no one hovering above the water, no ethereal lady lurking along the shore. I said, Yes, I have your tribute. My teeth chattered as I shivered, increasing seepage from the wound where I'd yanked out a tooth. Fortunately, fairies were like sharks. We had extra rows of teeth slumbering in our gums. If I survived the trial by water and another wound cycle, the gap would be filled. But for now, my jaw throbbed. Molar, canine, or incisor, the oracle said. Molar, my grandmother told me that a big ask requires a big payment. Wise woman. She extracted the tooth. I pulled it myself. 
grandmother journeyed to the spirit world two years ago. Murdered, the oracle said. I shook my head. Consumption, I said. My eyes watered, and a tear rolled down my cheek. When the droplet hit the water, soothing warmth flowed across my skin, traveling from my chest to my fingertips. You're orphaned, the oracle said. My mother was killed by ogres when I was a baby. I live with my father. The oracle said, Why isn't he with you? He doesn't believe in my powers. He's at sea, I said. Selkie? I said, No, my mother was a selkie. My father's a fisherman. You were sired by a human. The oracle laughed louder, her voice ringing like a bell, pinging back and forth between my ears. Fury made my chest constrict. I said, my father's elven. The oracle said, foolish fay to leave a precious child unguarded. I said, I'm not a child, I'm seventeen. All of a sudden, a whirlpool appeared, the water in front of me churning in a funnel formation. She said, what do you desire, Nala? I said, can you douse the light? I pointed at my toes. The oracle said, give me your tooth. The water spun faster. I opened my palm. An invisible force sucked the tooth into the watery void. She said, what are you waiting for? Follow the tooth. I dove into the whirlpool, expecting to hit the bottom of the lake within seconds since I hadn't waded in far. A woman's face appeared in front of me in the water, crafted from sea vegetables and shells, though the lake was not connected to an ocean. She had long tendrils of sea kelp for hair, red algae for her blushing cheeks, scallop shells for eyes, and her mouth was a conch shell. The sea kelp wrapped around my wrist and tugged, pulling me towards the center of the lake. I resisted, pulling my arms back. The vision became hazy, and the kelp holding my wrist disappeared. Panicking, I dove in pursuit and kicked my legs vigorously, following the oracle. As the water became murkier, the pressure in my lungs increased, and air bubbles flowed from my mouth. The oracle's face reappeared, but instead of kelp for hair, she had moray eels swirling around her head. More than a dozen, their beady eyes watching me. The eel closest to me lashed out, sinking its needle-sharp teeth into my right forearm. I'd never felt such intense pain. The agonizing sensation traveled from my arm through my spine. I thrashed and screamed, but the fangs dug deeper, gripping my arm like it was locked in a vice. The oracle's lips curled in a smile. She said, It's not too late. You want to turn back? I quit struggling. Opening my mouth, I inhaled, sucking water into my lungs. The eels vanished. Miraculously, my pain was gone, replaced by a strange elation. I smelled jasmine perfume, the scent my maternal grandmother Miriam had always worn. The fragrance strengthened until I felt invisible arms cradling me in a comforting embrace. Light shone from the oracle's face, 
beaming from her eyes, along with flickering images. Two mountain ogres tied an elven fairy to a slab of wood. Though their young captor's shoulders were trussed with thick twine, he still fought, howling as he kicked and thrashed. The ogre wearing a leather eye patch over his left eye punched the fairy, crack, cutting his forehead and knocking him unconscious. The ogre said, Arms, or legs, arms, his partner said. They tore the shirt from the fairy's body and tossed it on the ground. Though the elven boy had the slim physique of a child, curly golden hair covered his chest. Stripping off their quarry's deerskin boots and trousers, they stared at the violet light gleaming from his toenails. The ogre with the eye patch said, Bazookagong! He palpated the fairy's arms and legs. Grabbing another rope, he lashed it around the ankles. Then he picked up a long needle, speared the fairy's left arm, and attached a metal tube to the needle. The other ogre repeated the procedure, jabbing the fairy's right arm. The fairy's life force flowed through the tubing, making a squirting sound as it emptied into metal buckets. After they needled the legs and attached another set of tubes, the ogre with the eye pitch said, You hungry? His partner grunted and rubbed his bulging belly. Ravenous, he said. What do you fetch, mutton or beef? Veal, young ones are tender. The brute with the eye patch belched, displaying a mouthful of rotten teeth. Watch him! He's a feisty bastard! He nodded at the fairy who was being bled, then walked towards a team of Icelandic horses that were pulling a wagon, loaded with wood. He waved at the elderly ogre that was sitting in the driver's seat. The ogre with the eye patch said, When are we breaking for supper? The elderly ogre said, Nine more fair waiting to be milked. Grab a bite while you walk. I'm my lord, he said. With a spring in his sap, the ogre with the eye patch turned. As he walked back through the clearing, leaping over puddles, he sang, Fingers and toes, kneecaps and elbows, crunchy bones, crunchy bones. He smacked his lips and repeated the ditty. When he reached his partner, he said, Fay fresh for supper. I'll nibble a thigh. There's plenty of meat to spare. The other ogre said, Splendid. I'll take the haunch. He loosened the ropes they'd lashed around the fairy's ankles. Grabbing the quarry by the waist, he rolled the fairy onto his side. Movement caused the tube that was bleeding the left leg to detach. Crimson fluid spattered on the dirt. Bogar at all, the ogre said. His back creaked when he leaned down and reattached the tubing to the needle. While he was busy, his partner sank his prominent canines into the fairy's thigh tearing off a chunk of muscle. The fairy regained consciousness and screamed. Instantly, the golden hair on his body thickened and became darker. His nose and jaw jutted out. His shoulders broadened. Fingernails became claws. Within seconds, he transformed, becoming a huge brown bear. The ogre that had bitten him screamed. He tried to flee, but the bear was faster. The great furry beast snarled as it snapped the ropes and pounced on the ogre. The bear opened his jaws wide like a snake and chomped into the ogre's skull, cracking the bones. A little girl with long curly black hair, just like mine, tapped a harpsichord's ivory keys. The tinkling sound was discordant yet compelling, music that spoke of magic, broken promises, and heartache. She couldn't have been much older than three, 
but her fingers flowed up and down the keyboard with such dexterity she was clearly a prodigy or a witch. The room where she played was simply furnished with an iron stove in the hearth, a woven rug on the worn oak floor, a spinning wheel in the corner, and a rough-hewn table and two chairs. Yet the harpsichord was fit for a ballroom. Crafted from gleaming wood and ornamented with gold, it was a much fancier instrument than the battered piano that my grandmother had taught me to play. A woman wearing a ragged gown and a shawl wrapped around her hair and shoulders walked into the room and sat on the bench beside the girl. The woman said, You played the correct notes, but you've forgotten the tempo. She placed her hands upon the keys and said, Dolce, sweetly, like this. The woman's accent was aristocratic, but her hands were chapped like a servant. I couldn't see her face. She repeated several measures that the child had played. The girl grasped the music that was sitting on the stand and turned the page. The woman played on, increasing the tempo, her hands flying across the ivories with such speed, sparks flew from her fingertips. One, two, three, so many I lost count. Higher and higher the sparks rose, twinkling like starlight above their heads. Tears streamed down the little girl's face as she watched the dancing specks of fire. She said, I miss mother. The woman lifted her hands from the keys and patted the girl's shoulder. She said, I miss her too, but we see her whenever we gaze at the sky. I want to be with her now. Why can't I become a star? The girl sobbed. The woman shook her head. Wanting and needing are different things. It's not your time, Marion. Please. The woman said, Hold out your hand. Sparks drifted from the ceiling and settled on the girl's palm, creating a glowing ball. Clutch them, the woman said. Squeeze tighter. It burns, the girl said. She opened her hand and flung the ball of fire against the wall. The girl's flesh sizzled. The skin in her palm burned in the shape of an eight-pointed star just like the scar my grandmother, Miriam, bore. Selkies were supposed to fear sharks, but the seal woman leapt onto the hammerhead's back and dug her fingers into its gills. Her eyes widened with excitement, flecks of gold gleaming in the jade-green irises. Flicking her tail, she swatted the shark. Bucking like a horse that wanted to unseat its rider, the predator thrashed, but the selkie wouldn't let go. The shark spun in a roll, making the seal woman's long auburn hair swirl about her face. Rising towards the surface of the water, the hammerhead scraped against a coral reef, cutting its own flesh. Crimson stained the water. A pot of dolphins took up the chase, following the selkie and the shark that she rode. I woke sprawled on the rocks with a pounding headache and a tail instead of feet. At first I assumed I was having another vision, but brackish water surged out of my mouth, spattering on the ground. The acrid stench was real. Vomiting again, I spat out more water while tears trickled down my face. I still had arms, but my body was covered with plush fur like a seal. The oracle said, 
Stop weeping! I looked up at the trees and saw an owl, but the raptor's eyes were violet, not amber. The feathered beast opened its beak and said, I gave you what you wished for. I said, What have you done to me? I grabbed a rock and hurled it at the owl, but my aim was off. The chunk of basalt hit the tree trunk. The owl ruffled its feathers and said, I douse the light, banish the berserker. Berserker dominates Selkie. Selkie dominates Elvin. Hence, you've taken Selkie form. Permanently? I gasped. I tugged at my tail, yanking it as hard as I could, but it wouldn't come off. The oracle said, Don't be daft, child. You'll be back in elven form when you're dried. Maneuvering with the tail wasn't easy, and standing without feet was impossible, so I dragged myself across the rocks on my belly. By the time I'd reached my clothes, I'd cut my left hand and my hip. Rubbing the fur with my palms helped it to dry, but my stomach kept gurgling from all of the water I'd swallowed, and nausea. Was the oracle punishing me for being ashamed of my heritage? Would I ever have legs again? By the time the sun rose, my shoulders and arms ached, and my hands were chafed. But I could see skin peeking through the fur. When the fur and tail vanished, my legs reappeared, but my wounds were still seeping. Fortunately, it was January, the coldest month of the year, so my caftan was made from heavy wool which hid bloodstains. Taking a shortcut, I cut through a field, which was a foolish mistake. The neighbor's bull was loose and chased me until I climbed the fence. Out of breath, I stumbled onto the road. The cottage that I shared with my father was just over the ridge. I picked up my pace, striding faster, though my legs ached. I heard the clopping hooves before I saw the wagon. I ran off of the road, heading towards a big oak tree. Peeking out from behind the old gnarled trunk, I saw a single gray mare pulling the wagon and breathed a sigh of relief. Ogres always drove teams of horses because their cargo was heavy. The mare quit walking and tossed her head. She was the most beautiful creature I'd ever seen. The girl holding the reins, not the horse. Her hair was long and silky, coppery red like a flame, and her eyes were jade green with flecks of gold just like the selkie I saw when I swam with the oracle. By early March, the orange trees were covered with blossoms, and I'd fallen in love with Giselle. Only a sliver of sun was visible on the horizon, and the drizzle had turned to a deluge, but the moon was full, and we couldn't wait any longer to start our new life together. Giselle's horse broke into a trot as we glimpsed the path that led to the sea. Though I was a decent horsewoman, I wasn't used to riding bareback or not having control of the reins. I squeezed my legs against the mare's sides and clung to Giselle. Reaching the dunes, we dismounted. My heart was pounding and my legs were wobbly, like I'd been sprinting. Giselle removed the mare's bridle 
and let her horse run free. Except for a cluster of gulls sheltering beside the pier, the beach was deserted. We removed our boots and stockings and walked barefoot towards the wet sand, then stopped and gazed at the sea. The waves were crashing. Water lapped at my feet. My skin began to tingle. Giselle placed her hands on my shoulders. Her mouth tasted of seawater and hope. I pulled her closer, deepening the kiss. Both of us were shivering from anticipation. When all of our clothes were pooled on the sand by our feet, Giselle smiled, flashing the dimple in her left cheek. We sealed our bond with another kiss and dove into the surf. Alicia Hilton is an author, law professor, arbitrator, actor, and former FBI special agent. She believes in angels and demons, magic and monsters. Alicia's recent work has appeared or is forthcoming in Akashic Books, Bronzeville Books, Daily Science Fiction, Domain Publishing UK, Dreams and Nightmares, Tales from Omnipark, Bastarian, Year's Best Hardcore Horror, Volumes 4 and 5, and elsewhere. Her website is aliciahilton.com. Follow her on Twitter at aliciahilton01.